We're going to get into the word of the Lord today. We're thankful that you are here. I want and hope and pray that you are blessed this morning by the word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, would like to turn with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm going to begin with verse number 1, reading verses 1 and 2 of 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. Our prayers are with Brother Danny Lytle this morning as he is ministering out today and uh, with uh, out Sister Cheryl. So she stayed with us this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 1. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Everybody say now. Now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Everybody say now. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. By the help of the Lord, for a little bit, I want to preach to you today. Our time is now. Our time is now. Lord, help us this morning to speak what you have laid up on our heart, Lord, that you would open our minds to receive the word of the Lord. And God, I pray today that the unction of your spirit would inspire my thoughts today. And God, every person in this room, Lord, that uh, needs a touch from you, Lord, would receive it today by your spirit, through your power and your word. I pray today, Lord, that you accomplish the purpose that you are sending it today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. I'm, I'm not certain that this is, maybe I should rephrase that. Perhaps I should say this morning that I am certain that this is the most important day for the church. We are living in the last days. And this time that we live in, this now time that we live in, is so very important. The church there, as a whole, we do need to wake up and recognize the time in which we are living and understand that I believe God has given us and granted us a window of time in order for the church to get ready for the return of the Lord. The rapture of the church is imminent. It is upon us. I believe that the prophecies of God have been fulfilled, and it is only on God's mercy that He is waiting for a few more people to get ready, that the Lord is preparing the church to call His people home. The Bible gives us some determining signpost uh, that we are to pay attention to as we approach the end time and the last days. Uh, Matthew chapter 24 is one of those signposts that teaches us that 
in the end time toward the return of the Lord as we approach that last day that the love of many will wax cold. We are living in the end time. And it is so important that the church recognizes the day and the hour in which we live. If we understood the importance of this moment, we perhaps would shake ourselves like never before and go out like never before and and be determined that in these last days we're going to reach everybody we love, everybody we know, everybody that we come in contact with deserves to hear this gospel message because there is going to be a day that we're not going to be able because the trumpet of the Lord is going to sound and the power of God and the church of God are going to be called out of this world. And then those that remain in this world will, will, will have a devastating end. We, we must understand the importance of where we are today. Our time is not in the future. Our time is now. The Bible said to watch for these roadmark signs that, that uh, points us in the direction that there's a sign that says, look in the church and you will find the love of many that will wax cold. It will, it will grow cold and uh, the hearts of men, will, they, they will grow cold. Things that used to be important will no longer be important. The things that one time would ignite a fire in us, no longer our hearts will wax cold. We will see the loss of apostolic fire, anointing, and power in the last days. But uh, I, I, I don't know about you today, but I pray that, that the love of Christian Life Church never waxes cold. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 uh, continues uh, to, to point us in the direction of these end times. And the scripture says that there will be a great falling away. There will be a great falling away. And that falling away, I believe, is from apostolic passion and apostolic doctrine. It may be that we already are living in these last days that so many have already drifted away from apostolic, true apostolic anointed preaching and powerful apostolic passion that moves the hearts of men and women. In many churches today, we may see a form of godliness, but uh, the power of God has been denied access to be able to move and move freely and move thoroughly. If you are a guest here this morning, I unapologetically want to announce to you that we are a Jesus name, apostolic, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-principled church that chooses to preach this gospel from cover to cover and to live it according to the Word of God. It is what is going to get us saved. It is not some watered-down version that's going to get us saved. We've got to hold true to the profession of our faith. We've got to hold true to the Word of God. I don't want to be one that is waxing cold, and I don't want to be one that is part of the great falling away of apostolic doctrine and passion. I, want the, I don't want just a form of godliness, but I want the power of God at work in our services. 
For some, Sunday has become nothing more than just a ritual, no heartfelt experience, no real commitment, no heartfelt praise and worship, falling away from care and concern for lost souls and advancing the kingdom of God seem to be commonplace in and among many. God forbid that it happens to any of us for I do see and know that according to the word of God we are living in these last days. I'll never be satisfied and content with just holding on until he returns but I want a passion burning in my spirit until I hear him say well done. The second road mark that I see listed in Scripture leading to the coming of the Lord is that people will be deceived. People will be deceived. False prophets, the Scripture said, will arise and will deceive many. Everybody say deceive. Deceive many. Here, here's another sign of the end time, that people will be led astray by false teachers, people that are deceiving many. One deception is uh, that we see being preached in our world today is that doctrine really doesn't matter, that you can believe anything you want to believe, that we're all going to the same place and all pointed in the same direction. But be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. The Bible talks about these deceptive wolves that would come in and divide the flock of God. Preachers that would come in having itching ears that would, that would want to just preach for the compliments and the accolades. But we need somebody in these last days to stand up and to hold firm and hold true. Uh, today there's preaching that uh, excludes preaching against sin. They're, 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 they're the only sin they ever preach about is rejecting Jesus. They never get into the Word of God or into uh, the, the, the epistles written to the church that tell us how to live and how, and, and how that we must live in order to be saved. I was talking to someone the other day and they made mention of this and it, it, it hurt my spirit when I heard uh, someone mention the the other day that uh, they were talking to someone and they said we we want to avoid uh, singing about the blood. We want to avoid preaching about the blood for it's a confusion to people and they don't understand what it really means. Thank God for the blood. Ladies and gentlemen, without the shed blood of Jesus Christ, there is no possibility of salvation. It was Jesus shedding his blood on Calvary that gave redemption for you and I. It's the show. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. It's the shed blood of Jesus that washed me and cleansed me when I was lost and undone on my way to hell. But the blood of Jesus cleansed me and washed me and purified me and made me white as snow. He doesn't look at me in any other way, but he looks at me through the blood. Thank God. For the blood that washes white as snow. Amen, amen. I, I got to pause my message for a moment because I don't want to get in trouble when church is over, but I'm glad to have my folks with me. 
I just saw my dad stand up when I started preaching about the blood. I know he's not feeling well this morning, but I'm going to tell you, I grew up with preaching about the blood. I grew up singing, thank God for the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain. No, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, why don't you just lift your hands where you are and thank God for the blood. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Another road sign that I see as we appoint and as we approach the end time is that people will not endure strong preaching, strong doctrine. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 3 said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure. I'm going to tell you who's going to be saved. It's those who endure until the end. For this race is not to the swiftest, but to he that endureth unto the end. The same shall be saved. I'm going to tell some of you this morning. I know the youth are out, but I'm going to talk to some of you that's been enduring a while. Keep on enduring. You may feel like you can't run as fast as you used to. Keep on enduring. You may feel like you can't do what you used to do. Do whatever you can and keep on enduring because those that are going to make it are going to be those that endure. And whatever you do, endure sound doctrine. Don't look for some fable. Don't look for some fancy story. But get in sound doctrine and endure sound doctrine because after their own lust, the Bible said, they would heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. They don't want strong doctrine. They, uh, the, I read an article the other day that said most people who attend church today don't even care what the doctrines or beliefs of the church are. But I, I'm going to tell you something. I, I was at a place of business the other day, Brother Danny and I, and a young man we had talked to before stopped in and started talking to us again. And it was refreshing to me for this young man who doesn't know anything about uh, apostolic Pentecostalism. He, 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 knew, he knew about the church, but he'd come from uh, another background altogether, but began to question us. And it was inspiring to me as I stood outside in the parking lot of the business and he asked me a question. And he said to me, tell me about salvation. Uh, tell me how you receive salvation. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict something to you or say something to you uh, this morning that I really believe. This is really not a prediction, more of an observation. But I want to speak to you an observation that I have this morning. This young generation of young adults and young families and young people, they are more educated, more talented, and more gifted than the any other generation that has ever come before. But I am seeing something that is inspiring to me among our young people, among our young adults, among our young marriage. And it is that there is a return of them being concerned and caring about what we believe. I'm going to tell you this generation of young ministers that, have, that, that God is developing and growing up in this church, they, it, it inspires me when they want to sit down and talk about the fundamental teachings of the church. 
They want to know what the Bible really does say about salvation. They want to know what the Bible really does say about baptism. They want to know what the Bible really does say about conversion. They, they are really sincerely seeking this man we talked to the other day. While knows very little about the church, he wanted to know, tell me about salvation. Tell me about your doctrine. Tell me about what your real beliefs are. What are your core beliefs? I want to hear about them. And after we talk for a little bit he said I want to come and visit your church because I want to be part of something where people know what they believe come on be inspired by that Christian life church don't don't live in this world thinking well I got to dance around what we believe stand boldly in the faith speak it with love but speak the truth in love and let them know thus saith the word of God Another road sign that I see as we approach the coming of the Lord is that this gospel will be preached in all the world. That's right. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, says that we know that that perfect day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. We, we, we have no clue when God is coming. But these road marks are beginning to point us in the direction. If you are paying attention, and many of you and most of you are on social media. I'm connected with many of you and most of you on social media. And uh, I'm just going to, there's no, it's no need for me to say this, except there's a need for me to say this. The last few weeks on social media, I have tried to avoid it as much as possible. Because it has been more divisive than it has been healing. And regardless what side you're on and what you think and what you believe, uh, we, we got what we got. And now we have to move forward and we have, to, we have to be united. Don't divide yourself in the world over something you can't control. Don't separate yourself from people over something you have very little control over and all we can do is make enough noise. I don't want to ever say something that keeps me from being able to be a witness to somebody and lead them to the foot of the cross. I'll tell you what's going to really make a difference in the world. It's going to be when the church realizes that the responsibility of these last days is not upon the government but upon the church because this is our finest hour. And our time is now. Not futuristic. It is now. It is now. As we look around us and see this gospel being preached, there are great revivals that are happening all over the world. I've shared some of the news with you on social media. It often blows up with, with uh, some of these great Revivals. If you were at General Conference this year for the mission service, you uh, perhaps saw uh, some of the advertisements and some of the video clips promoting some of the re great revivals that are happening all around the world. Uh, I, South America, Central America uh, are exploding in revival. But then the Philippines is one of the fast 
uh, this fast-growing revival. Gentry reminded me yesterday that in January or February, he uh, will be traveling and speaking in Thailand where there is a massive revival. It, China is having revival. Russia is having revival. The Middle East that has been locked up for many years in the corners while they're not having tens of thousands of people that they can report because they would be shut down or killed. They are having revival in, in, in closed doors and in rooms where nobody knows and they can't post about it on social media. But revival is happening around the world. The coming of the Lord is imminent, ladies and gentlemen. Our time to, to evangelize is now. Our time to do a work for the Lord is now. This is our finest hour. It's time for the church to rise to the occasion and recognize the importance of this moment. When the followers of Jesus Christ came to Thessalonica, it was said of them, these have turned their world upside down. It wasn't because they were showing up to church. It wasn't because they were paying their tithing and saying amen to the preacher, but it was because they were going out into the highways and the byways. It's because they were going and turning the world upside down by reaching the lost in the early and mid-1900s. I grew up hearing my dad talk about some of the revivals that he was part of in the mid-1900s. Pioneer Pentecostalism that moved in to small town USA and large cities alike. But they moved in and closed down dance halls and bar rooms and liquor stores. It happened. It happened. They had revivals and had rotten tomatoes thrown at them. I heard Brother Price talk about having outdoor meetings and having rotten tomatoes thrown at them. I heard my dad talk about having tent revivals and they come up and cut the tent stakes on them and collapse the tent while they're trying to have church. Oh, they went through some things, but they brought us to where we are. But that wasn't the finest hour. This is the finest hour. We have so much at our fingertips, resources, materials, more people than we've ever had more financial support than we've ever had what's wrong let's get out and reach our world what's keeping us from knocking the doors in our city what's keeping us from telling somebody about the goodness of the Lord oh I know we're building a church but get ready we're also building the kingdom of God over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking to you. We're going to be preparing. We're going to be getting ready for some massive evangelism work that is going to happen when we move into that, that new building. Several people have said, you're going to understand when you move in, it's going to be too small. I pray it is. I pray it is, and we're going to do everything within our power to see that happen. You know why? Because I'm not ready for, for, for to, to move into a building just to say, wow, look what we've built and how much room we have. But I want to move into a building looking at the next building, saying, look what we've got to do because God is, 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 is growing the church. God is building the church. Our time has come. Our time is now. God always began changing men before He began changing nations. I've talked to some of you that have said to me, Pastor, I have never felt the passion to reach the lost like I have. 
I have people coming to me all often saying to me, Pastor, I want to get plugged in. I want to do something. I want to teach a Bible study. I want to do a work for the Lord. Can I pause for a moment just to tell you some of the incredible things that are happening around us? Brother Alfonso Suarez came to me the other day. He is having a Tuesday night Bible study with a group of Spanish people. Two or three weeks ago, he came to me and said, Pastor, we had 40 people in our Tuesday night Bible study. I asked him, Brother Suarez, how many of that 40 could not speak English? He said, only about two couldn't speak English. He said, as a matter of fact, there were about seven teenagers that were there that couldn't hardly understand my Spanish. There is only one preventing factor that keeps them from being part of Christian Life Church. And it is more than just culture because we can break cultural barriers. And we do it with open arms of love and not expecting them to walk 100% our way, but we walk 100% their way. And I'm not talking about doctrinally. I'm talking about socially. We've got to be able to, to, to merge our hearts with love and understand that there may be some cultural differences, but we serve one God. We're part of the same church. We're going to the same new Jerusalem. Several of you are aware, brother and sister Sanchez have joined us part of Christian Life Church and their family, extended family, Brother David, Brother Herman, Brother Isaac, their families. We are glad they're part of Christian Life Church. But they have a ministry and a work going in the city of Lafayette. And they have, they have a Sunday afternoon service and they have, a, I believe, a Thursday night Bible study. I've been talking to so many people, things are getting blurry. But they're having 30 and 35 people showing up to their Bible study. You know what this is? This is a church in the making. This is a church in the making. God is building a church. Hey, I, I come this morning to tell you it doesn't matter how, what nationality, what native tongue, where you may have come from. As a matter of fact, there's very few of us have any genetics that run back to, to where we live today. So we better open our arms and know that some of us came from Germany and Ireland and England and Scotland and Central America and South America and not one is greater than another whether you came from Africa or you came from over the East Coast somewhere. It doesn't matter where your genetics go back to. What matters is what your future is going to send you to. We're on our way to heaven with everybody. It doesn't matter what language you speak. Whoa, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. It's revival time. This is our hour. We've got to go after it like never before. This is our time for revival. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. God begins changing men's hearts before He begins changing nations. Some of us need a heart change. We need a heart change about where we stand socially. I'm not going to let economics divide me. I'm not, going to let, I'm not going to let educational boundaries divide me. And I'm not going to let any social boundaries bind me. Before the world of the Mediterranean could be turned upside down, Saul of Tarshish 
had to have a change of heart. And when he had a change of heart, the whole Mediterranean world turned right side up. But it wasn't until Saul met God. There's some folks that need to have a meeting with God about what I'm talking to you about right now. God first changed his name before he changed the nation. Moses, when he met God, took off his shoes and he turned aside for a divine encounter. It wasn't until then that God could use Moses. Moses never could lead the people out without him having an encounter with God that changed Moses. Saul, when the Lord spoke to him, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Our world and our times need men like Moses and Paul who have had an encounter with God and are willing to turn aside from our personal agendas so that we can make a difference in our world because our time is now. Nothing wrong with looking to the future. Everybody ought to look to the future, but we better start looking where we are now. We better start looking right now. This is the acceptable day. This is the time. If you're not right and ready to meet the Lord, you better get ready. This Our time is now. Come on, I, I'm, the church doors are swinging open this morning. I'm inviting you and imploring you this morning. Get in. Get on board. Come on in with what God is wanting to do at Christian Life Church. I'm not going to share all the story, but I, 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 I'm just going to just say one little word, and I, I don't want to trample on a, a great story you're going to hear tonight. But I am going to tell you just a little bit of a story about a lady that we talked to yesterday. And she said, when I looked other places, they wouldn't have me. She said, but I went to a Pentecostal church. She said, it took a Pentecostal church to love me. You better hear what I'm telling you this morning. It's going to take a Holy Ghost filled church to love some people. But it's going to amaze you what God can do in their life when you love them with unconditional love and say, you don't look like me, don't come from the background of me. But God is going to turn this world upside down. I feel a revival in the air in the city of Frankfurt. Can I tell you what I told them two or three days ago? I was meeting with a group of Spanish uh, 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 leaders and ministers, and I said to them the other day, here's what I said to them. I said, our city is 30 or 40% Hispanic. I believe the church ought to reflect its community. No, I'm not turning my back on you. I'm, I'm loving every one of you and all of you who are Hispanic. I love just as, as importantly. I'm not just going after the Hispanic population of Frankfurt. But what I'm trying to preach to you this morning is we are going after every group, every corner, every part of this city, every part of this region, every part of north central Indiana. We've got to go after them with this gospel message and let them know that they're loved and welcomed. But when revival comes, there has to be a turning from one's own self and a turning toward others. <laughs> I wish I could preach this like I feel it this morning. We've got to turn from ourselves, being selfish, and turning toward others. I have to be the least important. He has to be the important. My guest 
that are in service with me need to be more important than my wishes. Is it all right to preach like this on a Sunday morning? If you're a guest here this morning, I hope you feel the passion and heart that I'm preaching. Our church is growing and God is blessing, but we want you to be part of what God is doing in this church. Come on and get on board. Come on and get on board. This isn't about just building a large church. This is about reaching people because the end is near. This is our time. This is our hour. It is now. There has to be a turning from ourselves and a turning toward others. In order for the church to ever really reach its potential, we have to be a church that turns inside out. A church that is turned inside out is a church that will turn its world upside down. To have a genuine burden for missions is to have a passion for souls. A passion for every body, whether they are across the sea or across the state or across the county or across the city or across the street or across the aisle or across the table. A genuine burden for souls causes us to love people unconditionally. The sick, the impoverished, the abused, the wounded, the hurting, the addicted. That's our mission field. That's where God called us. He called us to the He called us to the lost. He didn't call us to He didn't call us to the saved. He called us to the lost. Everybody seems to want the position and be up front, but we've got to have a turning from ourselves to others. Because the treasure, ladies and gentlemen, is in the harvest field. I close quickly today. God didn't give us the Holy Ghost just to simply make us feel good. He didn't bless us just so we could brag about the blessings of God. He didn't even do it just to get us to heaven. While you getting to heaven was very important. But He filled us with His Spirit to empower us to reach the lost. He wants to get you to heaven, but He also wants you to reach the lost. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. There is a work to do. And our time is now. God called us to be a soul winner. He called us to reshape our world. Finances, programs, talents, events, good oratory. All of these things are wonderful. But we must have a move of the Spirit that draws men. For no man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. We can't do it on our own. We must have a move of the Spirit. We must be anointed for this hour. 
Because this is our time. It's now. And we must be anointed for this hour. For a generation of the gospel has been laid upon us. John 20 and 21 says, As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. You have been appointed to this generation. A generation of the gospel is laid upon us. I'm thankful for the generations that have gone on before us. But can I speak to a group of young adults and young strong families and people who have energy? A generation of the gospel is upon us. This isn't grandma and grandpa's church. This isn't even mom and dad's church. This this has to be our church. This has to be your church. We are at a pivotal point for our future. In my simple way this morning, I've tried to preach to you and say a few things to you that would shake us and cause us to recognize the importance of this hour and this time in which we live. But the future is depending upon us. It is depending upon you. My question to you this morning is, is our vision and our passion and our desire and our dedication to reach the next generation equal to that of the generations that went on before us? Are you and I ready to do what God has called us to do and do it now? I will, Pastor, I will. I want to do a work for the Lord as soon as I make my first million. I'll do a work, Pastor. I want to do something for the Lord just as soon as I graduate from college. I'll do a work from the Lord, Pastor, as soon as my kids are out of school. I'll do a work, Pastor. I plan on it. I want to be more involved in the church than I've ever been. I I really do. I want to, but I've got these excuses. Men have always had excuses. But can I speak to you this morning and tell you that our time is now. I wish some men and women of backbone and courage would recognize our time is now and this very day. You wouldn't wait until tomorrow. You wouldn't wait until next week or next month. But you would start now. You wouldn't wait to January when we're all fasting and praying every night to start calling people and trying to reach the lost. But that this message this morning would stir us to understand that God has given us a space of time. It's now. Why don't we go after it today? Why don't you call some Somebody today, why don't you bring somebody to the house of the Lord today? Why don't you bring them here tonight for the service? Why don't you go teach a Bible study today? Would there be two or three among us this morning that would say, Pastor, you stirred my heart this morning. I'm ready to go reach the lost now, to do a work now. Maybe you're here, music, you're coming this morning, and I'm closing. Perhaps you're here this morning. And you know I've spoken and talked to the church today, but I've spoken to everybody. Maybe you've never truly given your heart fully to the Lord. Maybe you've never really repented of your sins. Maybe you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Here in a few moments, I'm going to give a general appeal, an altar call, and everybody's going to be invited to come forward. There'll be church members come forward. There'll be guests that come forward. Everybody's invited to come forward this morning.
And I'm going to also give you an opportunity today. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, we have water ready. It's warm, I think. We have robes. They're ready. We have towels. We have people here that will assist you and help you. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, don't wait. The time is now. And there is a wonderful promise of the Holy Ghost that belongs to you. It is a promise. It is a gift of God. It is God's Spirit living within you. It will empower you to live in this sinful world, but live above sin, to live an extraordinary life. He came to give you life and that you may have life more abundantly. It will be the greatest gift you have ever been given, greater than any Christmas gift or birthday gift. It is the gift of grace. It is the gift of salvation. It is a gift of the power of God living and working in your life. And if you've never experienced it today, do not leave without having experienced the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you've already been born again of the water and of the Spirit and you're living a good holy life separated from the world, but God has spoken to you, I appeal to you this morning and I call you today to these altars and I ask you this morning would you come make a commitment not to me for a commitment to me is only good for a few moments but would you make a commitment to the Lord an eternal commitment to the Lord and say God I'm going to do more than I've ever done I'm going to be more than I have ever been. I'm going to reach harder than I have ever reached. I'm going to do more. I'm going to win my family. I'm going to win my neighborhood. I'm going to win my classmate. I'm going to win my coworker. Because the time is now. Why don't you stand with me this morning if you would? I hear the voice of Mordecai saying, Thou art come for the kingdom. But for such a time as this, our time is now. This is our finest hour. This is the greatest day for Christian Life Church. This is the greatest day for you, the greatest day for your family. This is the greatest first day of your future. Why don't you take that step of faith this morning? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. Lord, I pray right now for the spirit of courage to come over every person in this room. I pray right now, Lord, that an unction of the Holy Ghost would draw men and women to the foot of the cross today. And Lord, that they would respond with courage and faith to what I have preached under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Let revival come and let us be part. In Jesus' name. I open these altars this morning. Why don't you step out from where you are? If I've spoken to you this morning, come. Come forward now. Don't delay. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Our day is now. Our time is now. That's what I'll be. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh. I will be what you've called me to be. I'll say yes.